Welcome to Multifamily Syndication Unscripted, a show that teaches investors the truth about multifamily real estate. Your hosts, Ben Labovich, Sam Grooms, and Scott Hollister have more than 30 years of combined experience in real estate and finance. We are active multifamily syndicators and operators, providing you with detailed and cycle-appropriate content. Absolutely no fluff. So, if you want to be smarter about how and where you put your capital to work, listen up. You will learn what works in today's market conditions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once more. This is podcast number five in the second season of Multifamily Syndication Unscripted with Scott Hollister, Sam Grooms, and Ben Leibovich. This is going to be the last podcast in this season. We are reflecting upon our experiences uh, of 2019, having purchased $50 million of property, raised $20 million of equity, uh, taken uh, interior renovations and house, set up a construction company to facilitate this process, all of that we've been talking about. And we're going to tie things up by discussing a bit of investor relations related topics. With this, I will hand things over to Scott Hollister. Sounds great. So investor relations, one of those topics that, you know, is, is very important. So let's talk about your typical investor. What do they look like? Are they accredited or not? Vast majority of our people are accredited. Um, Sam, would you say 80%, 85%? I would say 85, yeah. 85% mm-hmm. accredited. But we have to understand that there's such a thing as, uh, you know, SEC definition of accredited. And then there's the real world. So accredited presumes sophisticated. And that may or may not be true. So the real question is, how sophisticated are your investors? Because what you are trying to do is you are trying to allow people into your deals that are, have the mental capacity and the experience to underwrite the risk. That's what the SEC wants. They want people to understand what the risk factors are and to be able to dissect and walk backwards and reconstruct and, you know, the proposal from the sponsors to be able to underwrite whether the risks are being sufficiently addressed and mitigated and accounted for and planned for. So the real question here is not so much how many of our investors are accredited versus not. The question is probably how sophisticated are our investors. And on, you know, from my standpoint, a lot of our people I've taught, I mean, I've been teaching and I, I touched on this uh, in the first episode. Um, I've been teaching since 2006. Uh, No, sorry. I've been buying since 2006. I've been teaching, you know, for since 2011, maybe. So for a long time. So, you know, I've been riding on bigger pockets forever. I've been, I've been, I've had an impact on a lot of people 
in terms of their understanding of real estate and how things work. And it's very helpful because these people know how I think. These people understand the things I understand, which makes them quite a bit more sophisticated than your average investor. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So how sophisticated are they? Well, <clears throat> I would wager to tell you that probably an average investor in an average syndication doesn't even know the definition of economic plus or LPL. Yeah, I think that's pretty true, actually. Compare that to our investors. I mean, Jeff and Tommy, I'm going to single them out because they're the biggest pain in my ass. They have me run about 50 different stress tests on every deal we do. I mean, I love them. They're partners of ours. And, and you know, I, of course I'm being facetious, but I'm just, I'm just painting a picture and they're not alone there. We have a lot of investors that are sophisticated enough to understand the dynamics enough so that they can ask us to run stress tests that we wouldn't otherwise put in the offering materials necessarily because we think it's redundant. But when people want to cross their T's and dot our eyes, uh, dot their eyes and, and, and they ask us, of course, we run the stress test. But this is extremely sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, these are multi-layered stress tests where they're having you drop rents, increase the cap rate an extra percent and a half, um, increase economic loss, a pretty involved stress test. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that. I've been doing, I mean, this is, this is why, because I've been pe teaching people to do this. In fact, if you haven't been to it, go to www.justaskbenwhymultifamily.com. I still teach people to do this. This is, you know, if you are going to be a sponsor, clearly you need to know this stuff. But also if you're going to be an investor in these things, you receive this pro forma and your job is to second guess every assumption that the sponsor is making. Well, first you have to know which assumptions there are. And secondly, you have to know how to question them. And I wager that majority of people don't know the answer to either, either of those questions. So, you know, on the one hand, it works against me because my people are so sophisticated, they're just not gonna let me do a deal that they don't completely buy into. On the other hand, this is why I'm able to raise money the way I'm able to raise money. Because, you know, people are able to leave emotions out of it. They are sophisticated enough looking at the dynamics and the numbers to where if those things make sense and they stand up to stress this, let's just leave emotions out of it. We know investing is risky. The question is, have we thought of as many things as we possibly can? Yes, we have. All right, let's move forward. Leave emotions out of it. And this is why when I got to raise $5 million, it's, you know, it gets done in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Because my partners are there with me intellectually. They get it. They understand. Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk about the other side of it. So maybe choosing not to accept an investor into a deal. Why would you choose to do that? Um, because I don't want to babysit. So, you know, we're, we're busy, we're serious people. And, and it's, it's funny to say that because, you know, at some point everybody is a newbie and everybody is a, a, a newborn, but I don't have time to, to, to be the parent in that environment. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. So I want more sophisticated people. I want people who can underwrite the risk. I want people who, um, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay teaching you, but I have a teaching hat that I put on when I engage in that teaching activity. When we're here at this table and I have my sponsor hat on, this isn't the time to teach. So I don't, I don't have time nor the patience to guide someone at that level, to that level. Mm -hmm. You should be ready to invest. Uh, your intellectual worth should already be there. And if it's not, perhaps you need to learn first and then invest later. And that's why. That's the only reason. Yeah. So let's talk about that trust you created with your investors. So you know, each of you, what do you think your best quality is and why would someone want to invest with you? Is it your fiduciary responsibility? Is it your expertise? Is it you know, your past experiences? Sam? For Ben, I would think it's a little bit of all of that. For me, it's my level of detail organization. Um, especially my background as a CPA, um, conservative approach to pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. I think that gives a certain level of comfort to investors. Mm. For me, I think first and foremost, fiduciary. Um, that was, you know, I moved from, from Ohio to Arizona because I knew as much when I was in Ohio as I, as I did when I was in Arizona. But there's a difference between being in Arizona versus Ohio. I couldn't wrap my fiduciary brain around putting people's money into a non-growth market. It was okay for my own money, but I just couldn't cross that threshold. I couldn't do it. Um, so I needed to operate in a much more, much higher growth market, uh, which I think, you know, it's, it's uh, Warren Buffett says diversification is protection against ignorance. I say growth is protection against ignorance in real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and we all have to assume, no matter how smart we are, that we're ignorant. And that we need markets help as much as possible. And growth is where it's at in that, in that respect. So the most difficult thing by far for me was and is fiduciary responsibility. And I think that's, you know, people who know me, they understand this. Also, clearly people know, people think at least that we know what we're doing. I mean, it's very difficult to uh, raise $20 million if people don't think you know what you're doing. Also, there has to be a business plan that makes sense. There has to be an asset that makes sense. 
this brings us to a very interesting conversation and it's commonplace. It happens all the time out here. It's what comes first, the money or the deal. Is it true if you have a deal that's good enough, the money will come? You know, in my life, it's true. If I have a deal that's good enough, the money will come. But it took me 10 years to get here or whatever it was. So in general, if you think you want to sponsor, is it true that if you have a deal, the money will come? No. I had, I had a conversation not too long ago with one of our partners. And he basically told me, he said, a lot of people approach me to put money into syndication. This is a successful guy. He makes quite a lot of money doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, and he said, you know, on your first deal, and he's been around since the first deal. He said, on your first deal, you hadn't done a syndication but you'd been a landlord for a decade or more at that point. And because you had Sam who has Deloitte pedigree, which this guy is also Deloitte pedigree. He's like, I know what Sam knows and whatever you're missing on that end of things, I know it's, it's, uh, it's captured with Sam. It's very seldom, very difficult to find a sponsor who's got both of these angles covered, both experience and dynamics of the sport to know how the tenants behave, how that impacts the numbers, and someone who really understands accounting, bookkeeping, and reporting to the level that a Deloitte pedigree SEC reporting accountant professional would know this stuff. So I said, I felt very comfortable. I don't feel comfortable putting money with other people because they don't have both angles covered. They could be very good at one, but lacking on the other side. And he said, aside from the fact that I've known you forever and I've, been you, I've, I've seen you be a landlord and grow your own personal portfolio and learn from those experiences forever, on top of it, now you got Sam. So I'm, I'm good with that. Mm. So that, that hopefully identifies kind of our typical investor perspective. And I think it is typical. Well, that's great. That's, that sounds like a perfect marriage, you know? Don't, don't go there. <laughs> yeah, all right, we won't go there. All right, we got a couple more bullet points to answer. So, how do you guys like to stay in touch with your investors? Um, well, we report. I, well, first of all, I got to tell you, I, I speak to one or two of them on a daily basis. I mean, like I told you, I, I've known a lot of these people for a very long time. Some of these people for not as long of a time, but the fact is, is that you know, probably half of our investor database is on my speed dial at one point or another. So that aside, and that's probably ties in very well to like the fiduciary question. I feel like I'm managing money of my friends, which is the way I feel about it. I don't think about it that way. I just feel about it. It's, 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 
It's a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. But we report monthly. Um, I know that a lot of people report quarterly. Um, because our investor base is, is as sophisticated as they are, reporting to them is more about, they want to know the dynamics. They want to know the logistics. They want to know, you know, as often as they can, as much as they can, but at the very least on a monthly basis, what's happening at the property because, because of how sophisticated they are. They're not just looking at the number at the bottom and they're happy with it. And I suppose that would work for a majority of investors out there, but not for our guys because of the level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. We, we give very in-depth reporting. I, I've invested in other syndications um, and I've never seen this happen where every month when we get the report on each property from the property management, we give that whole packet to our investors every month. Um, all the way down to the journal entries that were recorded at the property in the in the bank accounts. Um, it, we just are completely transparent. And then we do a pretty in-depth write-up um, on income expense, overall picture of the property, where how we're doing compared to the business plan, uh, what the renovation update is, uh, how many we have total renovated now. We include some pictures of the renovations. Um, way more than what I've even seen on a, on a quarterly basis. So it's not just that we're doing it more frequent. We're giving them quite a bit. And I think that goes back to our investors are still a little bit more sophisticated and they can actually digest that information. Mm-hmm. And also quite a lot of them come in town. Yep. I mean, we have another one coming in at the end of uh, this month for a few days. Yep. Uh, they just send a message and say, hey, I'm going to be in Phoenix about it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, they're, they're very involved. And yep. uh, because they understand the process and mm. they're able to wrap their heads around it, you know, they take ownership of it. And that's the whole entire ecosystem in our experience. Yeah. Like everybody involved with us really... I mean, structurally, they're part owners, but they feel like they're part owners. A, a lot of them show up, or I'm sure some of them show up unannounced. Others tell me when they're going to be in town and we'll meet and go tour and things like that. I mean, it happens all the time. People are involved. Yeah. I like they, how you they come from a long ways, too. I mean, this guy's flying in from Indiana for crying out loud. I mean, listen, if I was in Indiana and I had a chance to be in Arizona, I'd be flying in too, believe me. With that aside, I mean, people take time to see what's what. Of course. Well, I love that transparency in, you know, even some friendships and business partnerships that you created with your investors. So, you know, that dialogue that you have, you know, are you accepting any suggestions that, you know, partners may have from being sophisticated? Of course, of course. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, being on the ground for Sam and I, being in the middle of it, I mean, somebody comes in and says, uh, I think you should put carpets here instead of vinyl. 
you know, that's a conversation because there's about five different strategic and execution reasons why we don't use carpets in Arizona. So, you know, things like that, we just, we, we try to do the best we can to explain why we wouldn't do something. But we have those conversations all the time and we do take suggestions for people all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, this is the kind of relationship we have with our partners. Um, the property we just bought, we're doing a lot of electrical work. One of our partners happens to be an electrical engineer. And so he, we, we were touring the property with him and he noticed it. And so he's very hands-on with uh, the work that we're doing with the electrical engineer and cal did load calculations and everything. Um, so maybe we can do it a little bit better than what we were underwriting. Um, and a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, yeah, our average investor is pretty hands-on. That's pretty cool. Being able to lean on, you know, some of your investors experience and, and there might be pros in their fields. That's great. Mm -hmm. So any other bullet points before we wrap this season up, gentlemen? No, I think it was a good season. It is a good season. I think we, you know, we, we covered without getting bogged down into a lot of details. We, um, mm -hmm. we covered the highlights. Um, I think, you know, relative to investor relations, I mean, let's, let's boil it down to kind of some key points in the beginning. We talked about, is it a good idea to go big right away or should you have, uh, experience maybe with small multifamily. I am not a believer that you should go big right away because even if you understand the math behind it, you have no concept, you have no sense of the dynamics behind it. Therefore, it's going to be difficult for you to be effective. So this is something you need to grow into. Uh, with regards to investor relations and raising money, it's not a quick process. It really is a relationship business. You lead with value and then the value comes back to you when you are ready and deserving of it. It takes years to establish those relationships. A lot of what we see today is, is kind of people trying to make shortcuts, people trying to, hey, I'm going to launch a podcast and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise millions. Maybe that's possible. It just hasn't been my experience. Um, so if I'm speaking from my experience, this takes years. You have to be extraordinarily well organized, which I am not. And thankfully, Sam is extraordinarily organized. You have to be able to speak to the masses and speak to the kings. You have to understand how to speak to investors. You have to understand how to speak to the PMs. You have to understand how to speak to the brokers. You have to know how to speak to the bankers. You have to have holistic control of your messaging. And in order to do that, you have to intimately understand the dynamics. You only get one chance to represent yourself and, and allow people to make a form an opinion of you. Um, and and we didn't focus on it very much, but I'll close with a quote by Arthur Schopenhauer. Talent 
is ability to hit a target no one else can hit. Genius is ability to hit a target no one else can see. End quote. In a market where everybody is doing similar things, you have to be able to see the angles. And you need some experience and some very deep understanding of what we do in order to see those angles, because really that's what it takes. And with that, unless you guys have something to add, we might think about wrapping up season two. That was a Sounds very good. NPR ending. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Thanks, way. Benjamin. Was, was I said that was a very inspirational. Was I? Yeah. Was I really, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen very. And you know what? I didn't swear very much on this season. You know, either. I think they did once or twice. Very. Um, I, I would say it's at least seven. Have <laughs> <laughs> well, you been counting? <laughs> well, well, you don't notice it when you do it. <laughs> and I, I think I actually threw out a beep for you in one of the episodes just a little late. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining, um, for joining us. Uh, hopefully, there's some value you can find in what we tossed out in season two. Shorter season, five episodes, but we're busy. And that was the idea. Get as much as we can, as quick as we can, because we've been trying to record season two for a couple of months and just never been able to get around to it. So we thought, you know, grab the bull by the horn, compress it, get as much value out as quickly as possible and get it out to you. So hopefully it helps some of you in some, in some ways. Yeah, and hopefully we don't wait, wait as long for season three. Yeah, hopefully we don't. But uh, thank you again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, please, of course, uh, if you like the content, uh, review us. Leave us a review on uh, what is it called? I was it iTunes, iTunes? or wherever you're listening, whatever. Wherever you're listening, yeah. The, give us a rating. Give us a five star. Give us a review. Um, if you are interested in learning in a more detailed, structured fashion about this stuff you can head over to just ask ben why multifamily.com and you can explore that site or you can head over to just ask ben why.com and there's also a link at the top that takes you over to just ask ben why multifamily but there's a lot of content i've been doing this putting out content for decades so there's a lot of content you can find uh and with that uh, Sam and I have to be at a property at, at a broker's office at noon, which is four hours from now. Before then, we're meeting at a property. So we better jump off. Scott, thank you so much for your uh, leadership and guidance on this. And guys, we'll talk to you in season three. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Multifamily Syndication Unscripted with your hosts, Ben, Sam, and Scott. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Multifamily Syndication Unscripted.